This is Oklahoma football. All right, we're back. Welcome to another edition of the Mainline Podcast on this cold and windy Thursday, January 4th. I am uh, Tyler Burton, your host. Proud to be joined once again by Adam Jacquez. And Adam, we've got something new to announce tonight, a uh, a new addition to the team, you might say. Yeah, we spent some time really thinking this over. It was a tough call because we lost about half of our listenership by adding this member to our team. Uh, but we're excited to bring Corbin back as a more permanent host. And uh, we just loved having him on last week. So welcome back, Corbin. Yeah, great to be here, guys. Uh, Tyler, before we get too far into this, it is February 4th. So I don't know if you want to rerun that one back. What did I say? January? You said January. Oh, wow. February. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't, before I, it does, we roll with it. Yeah, let's, let's go and ro- we'll, we'll just go and scratch that. Adam, keep that keep that in there, I guess. But yeah, welcome to the podcast, guys. February 4th, uh, Thursday. Welcome. And uh, Corbin, obviously uh, excited to have you here joining us. Adam and I, this is kind of always, we always talk about this is one of the best parts of our, our week, just kind of sitting here. Um, you know, just kind of talking back and forth, talking some ball, just ha- having fun, talking sports, uh, you know, nothing too serious, but uh, obviously excited to have you uh, joining us now full time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, kind of an interesting period right now during the off offseason uh, to be doing it. But once the season, you know, ramps back up and we can get a little bit closer to kickoff, start talking, uh, you know, 2021 OU, you know, the OU outlook for the season. And it, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So, um, but again, welcome, dude. Excited to have you. Yeah, excited to be here, guys. Looking forward to uh, everything we had planned and had a great time last week. You know that's going to continue. So, uh, yeah, not a whole lot to talk about right now as far as the football front, but uh, that'll change and football season will be here before we know it. For sure. The the biggest thing that's happened recently, though, is Buki entering the transfer portal. Kind of felt like it was going to happen on January 4th, but turns out here we are, February 4th, and it finally has happened. And, of course, it's lit Twitter aflame with – very strong opinions, and uh, I would say a little bit uh, of revisionist history of some people coming to defense of him, uh, and some people probably going a little too far in the other direction as well. But uh, Tyler, I'm curious, what should the overall feeling be for OU fans on on Buki? Well, I think as far as the the Buki thing goes, I mean, you know, we, it seems like we talked about it every episode during the season, you know, Buki, you know, his impact on the game, you know, whether it was, you know, actual play on the field, uh, you know, penalties, different, you know, costly things like that. But when you kind of step step back and look at, you know, Buki's impact on this football program, you know, before you even step foot on here, you know, OU and, and five-star defensive guys, you know, you can kind of, you know, we'll, you know, kind of cast Caleb Kelly off to the side. OU and five-star defensive guys has been a pretty rare thing in the past number of years. And then when when the announcement was made, Buki, you know, does it on national television that he's going to be, you know, committing to play football at Oklahoma. We all know what the defense has been the last five or six years under Mike Stoops. The, you know, the secondary was always kind of a weak link. Having a five-star defensive back commit that was, you know, going to come into Norman and expectations for this kid were, were you know, put it an all-time high as soon as he stepped foot on campus. I mean, you know, it, it was said in fall camp that, you know, this guy was going to be the next Roy Williams. He was going to have that kind of impact on this defense. He was going to be a – he was going to win a Jim Thorpe Award before his time was done here in Norman. And honestly, it, it's just fr- – from the very beginning, one, he wasn't he – wasn't, he didn't get put into the position that he played all throughout high school, the position that he earned those five stars in, which was a uh, defensive back. But there really wasn't a spot at the moment whenever he stepped foot on campus to take over one of those starting quarterback positions. But Mike Stoops and I think a lot of the support staff also felt like this guy's too good of a player. He's got the five stars attached to his name. He's got so many expectations. We have to figure out a way to get him onto the field. And we all know what it was like, you know, during Buki's first year, the defense was, you know, probably the worst that it's been in school history. I think that that kind of put a lot of a bad taste in people's mouth, not not only with the defense, but it kind of showed, you know, the fans took it as, okay, well, this kid, Buki, we know about the antics, the sledgehammer, the hair flip. This kid's not as good as, you know, what he was hyped up to be. So I think he was kind of. I don't know. It, it was kind of sabotaged from the get-go before he even, you know, t- took a snap, you know, with expectations being what they were. But for me, guys, looking at it right now, the fact that he is gone, obviously it's it's a loss because he was a three-year starter. But also, 
as as much as it's it's going to stink seeing him leave, I think it also creates opportunities for guys that Alex Grinch has has you know recruited himself, guys that fit his scheme. The more you know, the longer the six one six two defensive backs, the bigger frame guys. I think this is going to, I mean, not just give him a chance, but it's going to force guys, you know, like a Bryson Washington or a Jeremiah Cradell to kind of step into that role. But I mean, we, I, I, w- I want to kick this back over to you guys. I mean, I hate to see Buki go just because you know he's a he's a good football player. Yes, he had some you know mistakes. You know, whether it's you know missed tackles, which that's going to happen. It's football, but a lot of the bonehead, stupid penalties. You know, the the taunting, throwing the you know, all sorts of stuff. So, Corbin, what what do you think, man? I mean, it's are, are you sad to see him leave, or you think this is just kind of, you know, this this is what needs to happen? I think it's what needs to happen. I'm a little surprised, kind of what Adam mentioned earlier, that it took this long. I, I kind of thought we were, we were past this, that he was going to be around next year. I think we've gotten to the point with Buki as a fan base where we've, we're only noticing the bad things now. Um, I think it's clear to say at this point he came in – overly ranked uh, as far as anything that you saw in rivals, the five-star ranking, the expectations, everything you just mentioned there, Tyler, that, that wasn't, that wasn't what his careers led up to so far. I hope that changes. Um, So when you get that way with the fan base where you're just, you're always talking about the negatives about a guy and really there weren't that many negatives. They just came in big moments and they were big penalties and it just got frustrating as a fan. But I think I think the guy got better over the past three years. And I think that if there was an opportunity to go back in time and have Grinch, uh, you know, over Buki in year one of his time here, I think this is a different story. Uh, I really do. But I, I, one thing that really did stick out to me was the reaction from the current players on the roster on social media about how they felt about Buki, about how they viewed him as a leader and really was a significant player in changing the culture of the defense. I'll be honest, we had another guy, Charleston Rambo, also transfer out, who probably had more expectations on him this year than necessarily Buki did, and you didn't see any of that on social media. So I think, you know, there's a lot that we don't see behind the scenes that has to, you know, be taken into account here. Uh, clearly, he had a big impact on the team. Um, but yeah, I think at this point, I view Buki as a good player. Um, and hopefully he has success in his next spot. Yeah, I think there's a lot of criticism out there of him. And some of it's a little bit extreme. And not all of it's his fault. You know, the coach has pumped him up from the moment he stepped on campus. His teammates talk super high about him. He's played out of position. He's incredibly small, even for a defensive back. And so he has a lot of things that aren't necessarily working in his favor. He's been a solid player, but a lot of his mistakes on the field have have been a result of, you know, things that he can control, uh, taunting. Uh, you know, not wrapping up, just hitting guys. And he's the smallest guy on the field. You can't get away with that. The pass interference that was very constant. Um, and just he, there was lots of times where he wasn't getting penalties, where he's, you know, chatting with the other team's sideline after a pass sails out of bounds that he had nothing to do with. And it's like, okay, you're not put in the best position by the coaches and the recruiting services and whatever. Like, that's not his fault. But if you come in and strut around and, you know, carry the sledgehammer and act a certain way, you are going to get some criticism if you can't back it up. And so I think that's, you know, fair criticism and frustration that OU fans should have and all that, you know, on his plate. But at the same time, I would welcome him back if he decides to come back in the portal, which Lincoln Riley kind of hinted that he may try to recruit him to still come back to OU. We could certainly use the depth. I wouldn't say no to having a guy that could, Uh, play a couple of different positions, but um, I would say some of the criticism is fair. Yeah, I would absolutely, you know, welcome him to come back. Uh, I mean, from a, from a talent standpoint, you know, I think he's a good football player, but also at the same time too, he provides depth that, you know, throughout the secondary, he can play a couple of different positions, the safety, the nickelback position. But I mean, kind of like what, what I talked about, you know, to, to begin with, I mean, coming in, him getting thrown into a situation where he was asked to play, you know, pl- play the free safety position, slide down, play the nickelback. Once Alex Grinch kind of took over as the defensive coordinator, Grinch's scheme alone 
put Buki into a situation where he was having to cover, you know, the the guy in the slot position, which, you know, nine times out of ten, these offenses that we see in the Big 12 Conference, you're going to be covering the bigger tight ends of the world, the Charlie Kolars, the Jelani Woods that we saw at Oklahoma State, where you're asking a five foot eight defensive back in Buki Radley Hiles to cover, you know, the six five, six six, six sevens, which I don't care how talented you are, if you're if you're seven, eight inches shorter than somebody, you're at a disadvantage, you know, before the ball's even snapped. So, and I, I guess, you know, to, to kind of put a bow on my thoughts here with Buki is all the slander that you see on Twitter, all the stuff that you see on social media from people hiding behind their keyboards. I mean, we, we see it time and time again. Stop tweeting at recruits. Stop tweeting at current players because there's not a single one of you. Not There's 99% of you that are sitting there, you know, blasting this guy, you know, saying horrible things, slandering every, every, you know, everything, every single negative thing that he does. There's not a single one of you that it, being put into that position could do a better job. And, you know, honestly, I, I think that if he does decide to move on and doesn't, you know, come back, um, like Lincoln was talking about, I mean, they're, they're going to miss him. You know, Corbin, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this, he, he was a teammate that, you know, everybody in that locker room loved, you know, they talked about how, you know, he helped build this new culture, you know, whether it's the speed D that camaraderie, that brotherhood in the locker room. And, you know, as, as much as, you know, we kind of, you know, turned and scratched our head and, you know, kind of, you know, wonder, you know, some of the things that he did on the football field. Every time he was in front of a microphone, I thought he was a hell of an interview. He came across, he sounds like a really good person. He's going to be successful in whatever he does past his career in football. But every time you listen and, and listen to this kid talk, you came away from it thinking, I like this dude. So obviously, you know, hate to see him go. Hope he does decide to come back with Charles name from the transfer portal. But um, no matter what he decides to do, obviously wish that kid nothing but the best. And he's going to be successful no matter where he goes and, and what he does after playing football. Yeah, for sure. And man, we've already spent too much time talking about a guy that's that's uh, not going to be with the team next year. So uh, I guess uh, this will be the last time we get to talk about him. Though. Well, let, let me ask you guys one question of this. Do, does his departure, does that, do you think that makes OU better when they when they kick off game one next year? Losing a three-year starter? Not game I, one, no. I wouldn't say not game one. Game four, five, six in the season? Yeah, probably. Uh, I think it would play out pretty similar to how it was this year. He had a lot of playing time early and as the year went on and on that shrank and shrank, especially in, you know, big games and in certain situations, late in games, um, you started seeing that length and those younger guys step up and get their shot. So I think it probably would play out pretty similar, but you know, that, that nickelback position where he was put in, you know, from time to time, that's a thin spot for us right now. I think you have reason to be optimism about the guys that are there. Um, but no, I don't think from the, the get-go of the 2021 season that that's um, a positive that he's leaving. I wouldn't say that there's a positive for anyone leaving or it makes the team better unless it was some situation where, I don't know, he had some you know uh, blackmail situation with a coach where he was always going to play every snap. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would have loved to have him for depth at least. Well, I think this is a perfect transition um, into kind of the other, you know, major college football news that, that kind of came about this week, and that is the return of EA Sports' NCAA football. As soon as that came out, I was I was fired up about it. I've been we've been begging for it to happen for years and years. I don't know why they ever took it away, but it is official now. Might take a year or two or even three, but uh, NCAA football is going to be coming back. The video game. That's I know that that makes guys like us. Uh, extremely happy that that's going to be coming back here in the near future. Yeah, I'm going to be 30 years old by the time it comes <laughs> out, and I'm going to be just playing it for hours at that point if I'm able to. We'll see where I am at that point in my life, but I'm pumped. Yeah, um, I will be counting down the days to whenever that's out, and I will pay whatever money it takes to make sure I have that video game on day one. I mean, guys, the only reason I still own a PS3 it's for NCAA football. Um, you know, I do nothing else with it. It sits there until I want to, you know, shake the dust off, you know, that game and, and get a little action in. So I'm excited. It's it's definitely going to be interesting too. You know, it, it's been talked about, you know, over the last year, the impact that, you know, name image likeness, what's it going to have on football programs, you know, from the guys that are already on campus, how it's going to impact the recruiting game. But when you also, you know, look at a, a, a game as popular as, you know, NCAA football, the impact that it that it's had, you know, across you know kids our age, even older, growing up. I mean, that was 
that was the thing to do. You know, I can remember, you know, getting home from, from school, you know, doing the homework, firing up the Xbox 360, you know, playing that, going through four or five seasons at a time before it eventually timed out. And, you know, that was, that was the thing back then. And there was always a new game that came out every single year. That was the first thing um, that, that I rushed out to Walmart or Best Buy to get, you know, me personally, I wasn't, I wasn't a combat sports game. Like I, I, I wasn't a, a Halo or a Call of Duty. I grew up on NCAA football and, you know, I, like you said, Adam, we're going to be 30 years old when this comes out. Um, heck, you'll married kids. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, you can definitely rest assured that uh, PS5 or PS6, there's going to be one of those in the Burton household and 30 year old Tyler is going to be staying up late playing that uh, a couple of <laughs> nights a week. So no, no shame in throwing that out there. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I will not feel any shame for sure. No. But uh, yeah, kind of and kind of transition over here, you know, EA Sports, you know, talking about I think that's a perfect segue, you know, you know, with the impact that that's going to have, you know, not just with college football and athletes, but how it's going to affect, you know, guys that like playing video games like we do. And, you know, talking about all the all the stuff that's been in the news this past week with GameStop and the stock market. I think that's a perfect segue over here to our next kind of thing that we want to talk about. And my question I want to kind of pose to both you guys and Adam, we'll start with you. If you could buy stock in one returning OU player and one new incoming freshman, who would you buy stock in and why? And we'll we'll start with uh, we'll start with the returning OU player. We'll each give our all of ours and then we'll go down and list freshmen. So Adam, what's uh, what's a returning guy that you want to buy stock in uh, going into 2021? Yeah, I think for me, I'm gonna go defensive side of the ball, and it's a little bit of a risky player to buy stock in because there's he's, it's not a solid uh you know in his position there but i'm gonna go with brian Osamoa. i think he has an incredibly high ceiling to really explode next year and become a dude and our linebackers were solid last year but not incredible and so i think that's an area where you can see a big jump and so i'm gonna buy real low on what brian Osamoa is i mean i know people are excited about him but i think he's a lot lower than some of more established starters there's still discussion of whether Osamo is even going to be a starter uh, with Caleb Kelly coming back and some other guys that, uh, you know, are on the depth chart. But uh, give me Osamo with some low stock there. Yeah, I'm going to follow in your footsteps. I'm actually going to say David Aguebu for myself. Um, I thought he really started to come on towards the end of last year. Uh, you remember the incredible pick play he had against the Pokes. And then I was rewatching some of the highlights from the Florida game last night. And there was a swing pass that he just absolutely blew up. So he started to be more than just a solid player, I think, towards the end of last year. I honestly am not as high on Deshaun White. And I think he was behind him on the depth chart to kick off last season. And so I think I think David steps up into a bigger role this year. And to be frank, we probably need him to do so uh, in order to have the you know success we're hoping to have next year. And as good as Deshaun White is, I think that it, it excited a lot of OU fans, the possibility of going into 2021 having Brian Osamoa and David Aguebu as those two starting in, interior linebackers. So that, that's uh, that's something I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on and, and fired up about because the when was the last time, guys, that we talked about you know depth being not an issue at the at the linebacker position, especially when you look at all the the young, you know, bright faces that are that are coming in right behind him. So uh, for me, buying stock, I'm going to go over to the other side of the football. I'm going to go with Jaden Hazelwood. Um, two years ago, there was a lot of hype coming in around this guy, a five star that picked Oklahoma over Georgia. He played pretty well in a limited role his freshman year. Obviously, everybody kind of took a back seat to the CD Lamb show and what he was doing. And Jaden then tore his ACL prior to spring ball this past year and. You know, even though Jaden, he worked his way back and played the last two games of the regular season, OU fans were kind of taken back. I know that I was when he chose to opt out of the Cotton Bowl and instead stayed home to train, go through more rehab. But I think given Jaden, giving him a full offseason to get healthy, get back to his old self, and more importantly, giving him a full six to seven months to redevelop that connection that he had with Spencer Rattler going into things. And I think it's going to propel him into what I think is going to be a huge 2021 season not just for the Oklahoma wide receiving group, but for Jaden Hazelwood individually. You got to think with Jaden, what happened with the Cotton Bowl and him being home, there's probably going to be a, a forced focus on making sure he's involved in the offense coming up throughout this offseason heading into next season. That's got to be a fair assessment, right? They're going to make this work because, you know, 
I think it was on the fringe there of wondering if he was going to come back or not. I mean, that's the first thought that I had whenever he decided to to opt out. And, and you know, we, the I guess it was the day of the game of the Cotton Bowl. OU's warming up, and he's posting videos back home of him training and running routes at full speed. So I think that him, you know, definitely, you know, possibly exploring other options and kind of putting some feelers out, I think that was definitely something that was top of mind uh, for Oklahoma fans. But, no, Corbin, I think you're exactly right. Um, him coming back, I think that there is going to be an intentional, you know, focus on getting him involved, especially early on, start of the year. That the wide receiver position is something that uh, you know we're, you know, we're there's no shortage of as far as talent goes here in Norman. So Jaden's going to be someone that I expect OU to get involved early on, and if he's anything like what we saw his freshman year in limited action, especially with his high school tape, uh, Spencer Rattler's going to have uh, he's going to have some fun with this one. Yeah, I think uh, he's a guy that could potentially have an incredible year, even though the wide receiver room is really crowded with uh, Theo Weiss and now Trajan Bridges, <laughs> hopefully going to be here for the entire year. And then a guy like Marvin Mims, who is a true freshman this past season, who he looks like he's just going to be a real steady, uh, solid contributor. He may he may even lead the team as well, but I wish I could go back and buy some stock in Marvin Mims when he was a freshman, but if I was going to pick a, a freshman for, for this upcoming season that I want to buy some stock in, I could go with some guys that probably aren't going to play this upcoming year, and that would be kind of a boring answer, uh, but long-term might be a good stock option. But if I'm going to go with a guy that is probably going to contribute a little bit, give me Clayton Smith. He is just a, monst- a monster. He's, he's massive. I don't know that he'll necessarily be a starter because there's a lot of talent along the uh, defensive line and outside linebackers uh, here on campus already, but I think he's a guy that can really flash and get people very excited about his next couple of years here in Norman. Yeah, I am going to actually go a little bit of a boring answer because we just talked about how loaded that linebacker core is at the moment, but I'm actually going to uh, put sock in Danny Stutzman as far as my incoming freshman guy who I think could really do some good things. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of them this year, um, but I think in the future, I know down in Florida, he wasn't playing get necessarily up against some of the highest quality teams, but the dude just has a nose for the football. Um, and that's now we can make an argument if Grinch is going to be here long enough to coach him, but that is exactly what Grinch is looking for is the guy who flies around to the ball. I think he um, is, is a pretty underrated guy, even though, you know, he was a three star I'm seeing here on 27 uh, or excuse me, excuse me, 247 sports, uh, maybe up to a four star here later on. But, um, but yeah, I've got pretty high expectations for him. Um, and he seems like a guy that knows there's some doubts about him. So hopefully he comes in with a chip on the shoulder and can do some great things from the start. But I think long-term, he's the guy to keep an eye on. I'm going to stay over on the defensive side of the football as well. And Adam, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I'm buying stock in Clayton Smith also. I mean, six foot four, 220-pound, five-star outside linebacker out of Texarkana, Texas, a guy that Jamar Kane absolutely loves, and for good reason. You know, Clayton, he's a Rivals 100 kid. He was rated the number two rushbacker in the country. And look at this kid's tape. I mean, what's not to like? The thing that jumps off the page to me is his quick first step and the speed that he has coming off the edge, just whipping tackles left and right. Give this kid the ability to come in and let Benny Wiley add another 15 to 20 pounds of muscle to that frame of his. He's 220 already. He has he can grow into that. He can get bigger. Give Benny Wiley a chance to put another 15 on him. And also, I think more important than anything, why I think that so much stock needs to be, you know, or so much buying of stock needs to be put on Clayton Smith is the fact that he's going to have the ability to watch and learn from Nick Benito this year. And it is going to, I think that's going to set him up well for his career here in Norman to have, you know, a future first or second round pick in Nick Benito ahead of him, show him the way, show him the correct way to do things. I think that's going to bode well for Clayton Smith. And I think uh, OU fans should definitely be excited about the possibility um, that he could be a three to four year starter um, and, potentially be an all-american candidate at that linebacker position so um <clears throat> guys let's kind of transition over here into a uh, buy sell segment Adam, i thought you did a hell of a job on this one this is some pretty good stuff um we'll just kind of do a roundtable discussion right here on each each specific one so uh corbin we'll throw this one to you to start man uh buy or sell the university of georgia the dogs to win the sec in 2021 you know guys on paper this is a buy. Alabama lost a lot of, you know, key players. Florida lost a lot of key players. There aren't really other any any threats. You even look at an A&M, you know, losing their starting quarterback. 
but I'm selling. Uh, there's no way I can say, you know, this Georgia team coming in 2021 is going to win the SEC. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they haven't done that since when? So, uh, yeah, I mean, my money is always going to be on Alabama until there's a, a reason not to put it there. So, yep, selling Georgia to win the SEC uh, in 2021. Yeah, I'm selling as well. I look at this as Georgia or the field, and I know Florida and Alabama have lost some guys, and LSU seem to take a step back, and Auburn's got a new coach. There's a, it, it looks like it could be as wide open maybe as it has been in a while, but Alabama's still the team to beat there. And even though they lost so many guys, they reload in a way that, even programs like OU don't reload. So um, give me give me the field on this one. I'm going to be on the opposite side of you guys on this one. Uh, I'm, I'm buying this. I, I think that Georgia, it, it's so hard because very similar to what it's like with OU in the Big 12, it's just like that way with Alabama. You know, it, it essentially somebody's going to have to show me that they can take it away from Alabama to actually pick it. But I like Georgia going into 2021. And, and it's strictly because – I think it's a cupcake schedule that's gonna that's gonna lead them all the way into that matchup in Atlanta. You obviously you you see the week one opponent against Clemson in Charlotte. Okay, win or lose, that doesn't impact the race for the SEC championship. But guys, just going down the roster, here's the SEC schedule for Georgia: South Carolina at home, at Vanderbilt, Arkansas at home, at Auburn, Kentucky. You've got a bye week before Florida. Florida's gonna be down next year probably. Missouri at home, at Tennessee. Should we do we go ahead and pencil Georgia in as the uh, SEC East representative? So I, I like what Kirby Smart's doing. They've got a quarterback in play. That's kind of been the thing that's held them back. Why they let Justin Fields go, I don't know. But I like what JT Daniels is doing. They've got uh, two, their top two running backs coming back, their top three receivers, Darnell Washington, the tight end. Offensive line might be a little bit of a uh, kind of a rebuild mode. We'll see. We all know that Georgia's going to have a good defense. So I'm buying. I think Georgia's going to win the SEC in 2021. I don't think Alabama, while they are going to be there, I think, I think Georgia knocks them off this year. Love the confidence, but I, I would still take <laughs> the field sell. on that one. <laughs> I'm, not putting, I'm not putting money on it, but I, I think that this could be the year that that happens. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I'm not arguing that Georgia's going to be there. Um they're just there's not going to beat whoever is out of the West. Odds are that's going to be in Alabama. Maybe, maybe Bama isn't as good, and we all get surprised by that one. Um, but I would highly doubt that. So you know, until Kirby does it and actually beats Bama, there's just no way for me to to, to get on that bandwagon. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and bookmark this for for us <laughs> here in the next ten months. So. We'll, uh, yep. we'll definitely revisit this. So, Adam, what you got I'll for number two, man? You didn't want to bet on it either. So just to make sure we're, we're good on both those sides. <laughs> hey, it's it's February. We'll see. We'll see uh, how, how much that confidence level rises here over the summer. Number two, I did not write this. So uh, do not accuse me of anything. Texas A&M will win a national championship in the next four years. Uh, sell so hard. I'm not crazy. Uh, they're not going to win a national championship. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I, I could buy that they're going to make a playoff in the next four years. I think for as much as I dislike the program, Jimbo's doing pretty good things. Um, but no, nah, I just I, I can't get behind the the national championship there. And even I do think they're going to make it to a playoff in the next four years. It's going to be one of those weird situations where they don't even play in their conference championship game and they get to sneak into a spot almost like they did this year. Um, but no, nah, not not buying them. In, you know, winning two playoff games for a national championship. Yep, I'm selling it also. Um, like you said, Corbin, uh, not not a fan of the program. Um, one of the most arrogant fan bases in in America right now. I, I don't think that they're gonna. I th I think they are gonna make a, a run at a playoff spot over the next three to four years. I think that they're gonna they're gonna have a chance to be pretty good next year. I don't know who's gonna be throwing the football down in College Station at the quarterback position, but um, they're recruiting. I mean, we can we can like it, we can hate it here as OU fans. Uh, you know, obviously we've had some recruiting head to head battles. Um, with them over the last couple of years, but I mean, you you can't you know you can't deny it. A and M's recruiting extremely well. Now, whether or not that's going to translate onto the field, I think that 2020 was kind of an anomaly. That was kind of like the perfect setup. They did play one team with a pulse and got blasted by by Alabama. So we'll see. Um, it'll be uh, it'll it'll be fun to watch. But no, I do I do not think the College Station will be able to celebrate a legitimate championship in the four years. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they've they've got the toughest division in in pretty much all sports, so it's going to be a hard road for them to even get to the SEC championship game. Yep. I'll take number three here, guys. Uh, buy or sell, Alex Grinch will be the DC at OU in 2022. What you guys got? I'm – Adam, go ahead. Go ahead. I will buy that. I think he could be a head coach today if he wanted to, but I, I think he knows that his best defense in Norman is going to happen this upcoming season. So he's going to capitalize off that, and he's going to catapult himself much higher than some of the teams that he's been mentioned in connection with in the past – like in Arizona or Michigan State or uh, Central Florida, I think he's going to get something a little bit a little bit higher than than those programs. So uh, I think it's whether it's championship or not here at OU. I think he's going to catapult himself into a really nice job. Twenty twenty one is going to be the best on paper defense that Alex Grinch has had since he arrived here in Norman. Whether or not he's going to be the defensive coordinator at OU in twenty twenty two, I'm buying it unless Oklahoma wins a national championship. I think if OU finally gets over the hump and, and wins a national title this year, Alex Grinch, obviously his stock has, has risen since he got here in Norman two years. And with the with the hype, with the amount of attention that's going to be on OU this year, even more so than what's normal, if, if he continues to put out a top 15, top 20 defense this year, OU not just it, – it may not even take him win a national championship, but if he makes it to a playoff – they somehow fi- find a way to win a game, maybe win the whole thing. His stock's going to be at an all-time high. I don't know if uh, if he is holding out for a school like Arizona or UCF. I think that maybe his his sights are set a little bit higher. Maybe he could vault himself into like a more you know not maybe not a blue butt type program, but maybe we could see him at a school like Ole Miss or a school like you know, Indiana or Iowa. I don't know, somebody like that. But I definitely – I'm going to buy that just because I, I think he wants to build something here uh, with Lincoln and Norman. But if OU wins a national championship in 10 months, um, I don't know. It's going to be hard to walk away from that. Yeah, I, I'm with both of you. I'm going to buy this as well. But I, I do have some – this of, of the three we've done so far, this has been the one where I, I kind of lean in the middle there. Um a lot can happen, you know, in 10 months from now. Um, and you do wonder, as he's shown already, he's, he's going to be picky about his head coaching job when he decides to take one. What jobs are going to be open? I don't know. You know, there was a lot more movement, um, you know, this past offseason, the one we're in right now, of jobs opening up that I didn't expect. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to buy that he's going to be here, but I'm, I'm not very confident in that one. Let me skip down to, to number five, because I think this ties in here. Yep. Uh, you've got Jim Harbaugh will still be the Michigan coach uh, when the OU-Michigan matchup comes in 2025. I would say it's it's quite possible that Alex Grinch is the head coach at Michigan when that matchup rolls around. Uh, we saw Jim Harbaugh sign a, a new contract this offseason that's going to make it uh, a little bit easier to uh, buy him out if they want to in the future. I know that Michigan's leadership there is not really as engaged in sports as some other schools are, but I think I think in within the next four years, I think Harbaugh will step aside, and I think we could see Alex Grinch there. So, uh, give me a, a, a sell on that as far as Harbaugh still being the head coach in twenty twenty five at Michigan. Well, for for OU purposes, uh, if Jim Harbaugh does get bought out in the next year or two, I hope Matt Campbell <clears throat> takes that job uh, up at Michigan. So. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely see. That's the, that would be a hard one. I don't know if Alex Grinch could turn that down, a uh, chance to go coach up at Ann Arbor. So uh, number four here, I, I think that this is a good one here. Oklahoma will win two of the next four Heisman trophies, buy or sell? I'm going to buy it, guys. Um, with, with the quarterback success we've had under Lincoln, and we've got you know a great opportunity for Spencer to go play well next year and win one. And that gives you three years for a guy like Caleb Williams to go win one. Yeah, I think you got to like your odds there. So I'm going to buy that. I know those are really hard to do, but specifically because of the caliber of individuals we've got at the quarterback position. Um, yeah, I think there's a great opportunity for that to, to be a, a buy on my end. I think that's an incredibly difficult ask. Uh, I, I think Spencer Rattler has a great shot at it this year. But then the following year, Caleb Williams will have what will be his redshirt freshman season. 
he's probably not going to get the attention or the stats because he doesn't have the experience at that point. And I think voters probably won't want to give it back to back to an OU quarterback. So then you're down to two years at that point. And I don't know. I don't know enough about Caleb Williams to feel that confident in him winning a Heisman trophy without having seen him throw the ball in person. So um, I'm going to sell on that one. Hope I'm wrong. Of course. Corbin, I'm in line with you. I'm going to buy it. Um, and it's not just because Spencer Rattler, he's the preseason favorite to win it in 2021, number one rated quarterback in his class. Caleb Williams is the number one ranked quarterback for the 2021 campaign. But the reason that that I would buy this is not because of those two guys. It's because of Lincoln Riley and the cost of production that he gets out of his quarterbacks since he stepped foot here in Norman with Baker, Kyler, Jalen. I mean, hell, he had... He had two winners and a, and a Heisman, you know, runner-up with with Jalen. So, um, if Spencer has a good year this year, leads OU to an undefeated, undefeated season, wins another Big Twelve championship, and if he's the main reason why they're doing that, I think Spencer is a, is in a great position. So, um, Spencer in twenty twenty one is probably the likeliest compared to what Caleb could do. But again, I think Caleb's a fantastic football player. Give him another year or two to grow into the system with Lincoln Riley as his coach. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's you know crazy to think that oh you could win two out of the next four uh, up at New York. We'll see. I mean, if Lincoln's still around at that point, which I think we all think he will be, um, you know, the sky's the limit. So, um, and and both those guys have all the tools. So uh, he's going to have all the all the receivers and weapons he needs around him. Both those guys. So. Um, Really, the only thing that's going to be able to hold them back, I think, is is just team success overall. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and and again, I think we, I think we hit the nail on the head on that. So let's let's kind of move over here to our next topic, and that is future non conference schedules. There's been a lot of talk, especially here locally, about the upcoming 2021 non conference schedule. Tulane, WCU, Nebraska. Is this a bad schedule? And it also got people kind of excited about some of the the possible home and home matchups that are on the horizon. Uh, for for this OU football program, but let's start let's start right here in 2021 uh, with the upcoming season. Adam, is this a bad non conference schedule that OU is going to start in here in the next six or seven months? So I guess it was about a week ago that OU officially announced the non conference schedule. Although if you like looked around a little bit, you already knew these were the teams we were playing. We knew we were going to play at Tulane. I don't think that game has been moved to the uh, to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome just yet, but I'm sure it will be. Um, New Orleans is a fun road trip, so uh, people will go down there and enjoy that. Yeah, Tulane's, uh, they're a decent team. Um, they're not as bad as they were when they came to town in 2017 here in Norman, uh, but they're they're decent. It probably won't be a close game. Western Carolina is your, your typical, uh, you know, buy game, body bag game. And then Nebraska's a, a good name team, even though they aren't, that great of a you know a matchup at this moment but i don't know people have been really uh really down on this schedule i don't really understand why it's kind of the same thing that we get every single year yeah i think it depends on your perspective of it i think from a talent perspective yeah this is a bad schedule um none of these teams if we get to the opportunity, you know, to be considered for a playoff spot next year, which we all expect to, but if there if there's an argument that comes into play there of a one loss OU versus a one loss SEC or a one loss Big Ten, none of those teams are helping us get there. So I think from a talent perspective, yeah, it's it's a bad schedule. From a fan perspective, it's a great schedule. You get the opportunity to go travel, watch the boys play in New Orleans, one of my favorite cities, hoping to make that trip. And then you get a historic rivalry with Nebraska coming to Norman. So I think it depends on your perspective. There you can go either way. But if we're looking strictly at a talent, um, you know, opportunity to, to, to beat an, a big time program in the non-conference, that's not here this year. Well, I think that's the problem whenever these athletic directors and coaches get together to put together these future non-conference matchups. You know, whenever the Nebraska home and home was scheduled, I don't know how many years ago it was, Nebraska wasn't in this position right now where they're struggling pretty bad uh, under Scott Frost. But just kind of looking at it, obviously, you know, Tulane, I don't think that Tulane is what's going to get people excited. I think it's the opportunity that you do get to make a road trip to go COU play in a city like New Orleans and then obviously you know at home against an FCS opponent in Western Carolina they're going to come collect their check get their ass kicked get back on the bus go home 
that is going to be a good chance. Obviously, I always look at those particular matchups as a good reason to maybe see some of the say, see some of the young guys, see them get some snaps, see how they move around. But I mean, you're looking at a Western Carolina team who last year, I mean, love you, Adam, but they got beat 58 to 14 by Liberty last year. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what that looks like uh, whenever they come into Norman here. And then obviously Nebraska. I don't care how good they are. I mean, that's. That's a you know that's an iconic rivalry that goes back a long time. Uh, giving OU a chance to you know put it on them pretty good is going to be a good feeling, uh, and I think OU is going to be in good position going into Big Twelve play. So, uh, sorry to take a shot at you there, Adam. <laughs> no, no, no worries. I mean, Western Carolina is Western Carolina. The Catamounts are are not going to be a matchup for anybody that's a powerhouse like OU or Liberty. So, what's the mascot? The Catamounts. What the hell is that? Uh, it's like uh, it's like a mountain lion, I think. Yeah, sounds like Let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Western Carolina catamounts. All right, let's roll with it. Let's we'll see in week two. Week two. Well, I I think that um, obviously Nebraska that that's going to be fun for OU to make the return trip to go back up to Lincoln. I, that's one that I'm definitely uh, I've got that circled. I want to go up there, see the stadium, see that uh, see that city, but. That kind of gets gets excited thinking about some of the the future matchup that OU's got. You know, going to Michigan, going back to Tennessee, LSU scheduled out. Georgia, I'll probably be fifty, but OU's got a date with Georgia down the line. Alabama, Clemson. So, my question to you guys is: kind of take away some of the programs that we played over the past five to ten years, and obviously who we've got scheduled. Is there anybody that you would like to have a home and home with? Um, to, to be able to go out there, see the campus, see the atmosphere of that particular stadium? I'll be honest. I'll be a little biased here, guys. I would love to see Colorado back on the schedule. Uh, Amen. One, that's right down the street from me up in uh, up in Boulder, so I'd love that. Two, it's an old Big 12 matchup. Um, you know, uh, I won't necessarily go into a rivalry. I'm not going to label it that way. But I think, you know, there's some history there I think the fans would enjoy. And I'll be honest, you know, Nebraska came to uh, to see you a couple years ago, and they painted that stadium red. And so that would be really cool um, to do that because, you know, OU fans would travel up to Denver and Boulder in the masses. Um, and so that would be awesome. One thing I don't want to forget is we, we had Army on the schedule this past year. And to go up to West Point, I'm sure that's, you know, going to happen. But – we got to make sure and get that that schedule, um, you know, that back on the schedule to have the game in West Point, which I think is important. I think that one would be uh, would be a lot of fun as well. So hopefully that gets back on the schedule soon. Yeah, I agree. I would love to make it up to West Point and Boulder. Um, I, I did the, I approached this a little bit differently. I actually went through and categorized pretty much every team that we could possibly play, uh, not counting anybody that we've you know, had a recent series with over the last 15 years or so, and then taking out old big 12 teams like Colorado. So I didn't include them on this particular exercise, but I, I thought there was a couple teams here that I categorized as teams that need to be on the schedule ASAP. And that would be Wisconsin. I mean, Madison is a fun town, you know, historic stadium, solid program, USC, Auburn, Penn state. It's been for, I don't know if we've ever played at Penn state, to be honest, Arkansas, we're so close. I don't know why we can't get them on the schedule. Uh, and then Florida and Iowa, although we just played Florida in a bowl game, but playing in the swamp would be awesome. Can you imagine an OU Penn State wideout game up in Happy Valley? Yeah, be crazy. Sign me up for that. Yeah, no, that's, I, that's I think that those are uniform matchup. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That, that's fantastic. I mean, Colorado would be a good one. I mean, just simply Adam, because we'd have a place to stay going up there. But uh, <laughs> I got two. Um, cap- guys bring it there we go there we go well for for me obviously adam i I like all those especially penn state usc would be a fun one to do um just simply that'd be a hell of a getaway a a great vacation to take you'd have to turn that into a week-long thing but for me i had four of them that i would like to schedule home and home with one for me is old miss just because of the grove alone i want to see the game day atmosphere Uh, i want to see what all the hype's about i had a couple buddies that i went to high school with that uh, that decided to go make make the trip out there and go to school at Ole Miss, so that would be a fun one to take. Number two for me is Miami, um, simply because of the logos. Miami's they're obviously they're getting better. Manny Diaz kind of got that program turned around. I would love to travel down to South Beach, maybe taking an OU Miami game in Hard Rock Stadium. That'd be a fun one to do. Um, number two for me, a couple teams that have uh, kind of you know found some success here recently. One is North Carolina. 
Um, talk about an all-time uniform matchup, that Carolina blue, crimson, Oklahoma red. Uh, that'd be fun to go out there to Chapel Hill taking a, bas- or taking a uh, basketball game. Uh, oh, you might actually win the basketball game right now. Uh, but yeah, North Carolina, Oklahoma, out in Chapel Hill would be a fun one. And for me, I want to schedule a home-and-home with Texas A&M. As much as we might hate them, I mean, 105,000 fans in College Station. I've been to the stadium. I hate to say it, probably the best game I've ever been to was a Texas A&M game as far as an environment goes. Um, So definitely give me a a home-and-home right now with Jimbo and the Aggies. That'd be a fun one to take in. To be fair, you went to probably the best A&M game of the last who knows how long half century with Johnny Manziel and Alabama. So you did get the best of the best there. Oh no, no. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that was a, that was a two thirty kickoff. I mean, we, hell I, I lived in Tyler back then. Hell we left at five thirty in the morning uh, to, to make the three hour drive down there. So that, that game day experience was fantastic. And when uh, I'm not sure how much you guys remember about that game, uh, but when uh, A&M was down 14 points, I think there was like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and it was third third down, and they had the ball on their own one-yard line, and uh, Manziel threw that 99-yard touchdown pass to Mike Evans. That's the loudest I have ever heard a stadium in my entire life. So the, the atmosphere was fantastic. I know OU fans probably don't want to hear it, uh, but I think OU would travel well down to College Station and definitely take up uh, a good, healthy amount of that stadium uh, for a visiting team. Yeah, I obviously I wasn't there for that game, but I was down in College Station. Uh, Bama was one, A&M was five. It was actually back when Kyler uh, played for the Aggies, and I got to watch him play and run like you know the entire team was chasing him because that's exactly what was happening. But uh, three pick sixes thrown by the Aggies, and they lost by twenty one. Uh, so it was it was a wild game, but yeah, there was a, a spot in that game where AM returned a, a punt return back for a touchdown, and I, I'm with you, Tyler. That play, and then the next offensive possession for Bama. That's that's one of the loudest venues uh, that I've ever been to. Uh, the only thing that I could possibly compare it to is is Fog Allen Fieldhouse up at KU for basketball games. Um, it was that same type of loud. Uh, it's it's an impressive place to play. You said three pick sixes at that. Three pick- Sixes and they lost by twenty one. Are you sure Trevor Knight wasn't the quarterback? <laughs> I'm very oh, sure. It was, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was it Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray? Were those the two guys? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. think that's right. That's right. Oh gosh, just the simple fact alone that they let those two guys out of College Station and not finish their career there. I mean, that's just that that's nuts. So. Um, Adam, close us out here. What'd you, uh, what'd you kind of put together for this last segment? It's been fantastic. Yeah. So wanted to do a little, would you rather, and I'll, I'll throw these out here, little quick hitters. You guys can uh, go back and forth and, and pick a side. And some of them are going to be OU and, and sports related. Some of them are going to be just totally generic. Uh, so we'll start out with number one. Uh, would you rather win the big 12 every year for the next 25 years or guarantee that OU uh, is in the national championship game this year. Uh, and just they're in it. You don't know if they're going to win or lose, but they're in the national championship game this year. Uh, kick us off, Corbin. Yeah, I'm going to say there's a pretty good chance, maybe not all 25 years, but at least the majority of them that we're going to be winning that Big 12 championship. So give me uh, the national championship this year uh, with our, our recent track record in the Big 12 Big 12 wins are nice and all, but uh, but I think we're going to be there more times than not. So go ahead and give me the national championship this year. I'm on the other side, and honestly to me, this is a no-brainer. Um, if, if you're going to tell me that I, I'm guaranteed to win the Big 12 the next 25 years, there's probably a pretty good chance that at least one of those 25 years, one of those 25 teams, is going to be good enough to win a national championship. So being able to be in control of that conference for not just the past six years, winning the championship, but for the next 25, that's three decades worth of dominance. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take 31 straight Big 12 championships, and surely OU's got to win a national championship in that 30-year stretch. Compelling arguments on both sides. I don't know that uh, you, neither of you have really leaned me one way or the other, but good arguments for both. Uh, number two, would you rather have Radler win the Heisman this year or Mayfield win a Super Bowl sometime within the next five years? Uh, 
I'm going to go Baker winning a Super Bowl. I mean, the fact that he didn't win a championship when he was here in Norman, I, I don't know if that's something that OU fans will ever you know, fully get over. There's probably not a more deserving player in the history of OU football uh, that deserved to win a national championship more than he did. So um, if he, especially if he does it in the city of Cleveland, can you imagine a guy that takes a team that was 0-16 the year before getting there and leads the Browns to a Super Bowl? in the next five years. So yeah, give me, uh, give me Baker and the Browns. That's, that's my pick for sure. Yep. I've got nothing to add to that. I'm with you hundred percent. I would love to see Baker win a Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, you know, hope Spencer does win the Heisman. Um, but yeah, for the long-term play for Baker and in his career, would would much rather see him win a Super Bowl in Cleveland. Now, Adam, back yeah. to you, which one of these is more realistic? I'd say probably Spencer Rattler win the Heisman uh, because winning a Super Bowl is incredibly difficult. I mean, we could be sitting here five years from now and the Cleveland Browns are look totally different with the way the NFL parity is and teams rise and fall very quickly. So um, I think that's going to be much tougher. Um, and, and let's be honest, we love Baker Mayfield. He's a solid, you know, good quarterback in the NFL, but he's, He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Tom Brady uh, now or in his prime. So that's that's a tough ask. I mean, the team's going to have to be really good around him. But uh, I certainly would love to see him win the Super Bowl and, and shut a lot of people up. So I don't, I don't think it's too far out there to say that, especially with Mahomes getting injured in that playoff game, the Browns were maybe one or two plays away from uh, having a serious shot to make it to the Super Bowl this year. So. Yeah. Well, uh, they're well, they're they're definitely building something there in, in Cleveland, so that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Baker continue to turn that place around. Um, can you imagine the dog pound this year if they would have had fans? Yeah, that awesome. would have been nuts. Yeah, so, that, that's fantastic. So, what what you got number three, Adam? Yeah, would you rather have our men's basketball team win a national championship, or would you rather have football to get uh, a guaranteed three five star players in every class for the next five years? Yeah, guys, I'm going to stick with my roots on this one. Uh, you guys know my time in OU Athletics started as an equipment manager for men's basketball. So I would love to see that program win a, a national championship. I thought they had a genuine shot whenever we ran into the buzzsaw that was Villanova in the Final Four a few years back. Um, I'm not going to say I see it because I don't, but I would much rather see our, our, our guys in the basketball arena holding up a trophy than, uh, than, the, free, than the three five-stars. I couldn't say it any better. OU men's basketball win a national championship. That would definitely be my pick. So, yeah, I agree. I think that would be so meaningful for that program as a whole. And um, you know, they play second fiddle or, or sometimes even third fiddle as far as OU athletics go. But that would be really special for for that program and all the people that put in so much hard work over there. So, I agree there. Um, moving away from sports, would you rather live in a cave or in a treehouse? Is the treehouse fully covered and safe from all the elements that could possibly be thrown its way? There is a roof, yeah. I'm going to go with the treehouse then. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm on team treehouse as well. Cave would be cool for a little bit, but I think at some point, you know, I, I like the views. I like being outdoors. Yeah, I'm going to go, uh, go treehouse. There's something right. about the movie Castaway and Tom Hanks living in that cave that probably just doesn't make it quite as appealing as living in a tree house. So I'll uh, build that house in the tree, Adam. I'll live up there. Well, you compare yeah. that uh, the tree house and Step Brothers, and that's that's the tree house I'm, I'm looking to be, to be a part of. <laughs> does, that, does that exist right now? I hope so. I, the, the, the man in me holds out hope that that is a real thing somewhere. Is it more about the tree house or the contents inside the tree house? You know what? Whatever's inside the treehouse is inside the treehouse. <laughs> Add me to uh, to the treehouse party. I am going to go a little bit more old school with my reference with Swiss Family Robinson. I think that would be awesome. So give me the, the fresh air there. Um, next, would you rather live without search engines or without social media? Oh, I think this one's an easy one for me, guys. I would live without the search engines. Um I look at, you know, what's taken place over the past almost a year now, and I think we would be in a lot better spot with social media, but, but without the search engines. Uh, I, I look to, you know, last summer, there's no Coach Dugs and Big Cat. 
you know, that I get to watch, you know, play NCAA football without social media. So yeah, for me, that's an easy one. No, no search engines. Yeah, I'm going to go social media. There's there's pros and cons to both of it. I mean, social media, one, it's addicting. I mean, as much as I hate to say it, I'm on it. I'm on it throughout the day, checking in at least one, you know, throughout the day periodically. But uh, I don't know. I Search engines, I mean, how often, you know, do we run into a situation where, you know, whether it's, you know, do you know the answer to a question or who said this or how much to put in that? I mean, Search engines definitely come in handy, but uh, social media is just too convenient, it's too entertaining. So um, let's go ahead and get rid of Google and all the other search engines. Let's just get rid of Google, period. <laughs> I'm in agreement on this one. Oftentimes, I will go to Twitter to search for something, especially if it's like a live event, news, things like that, and I can find what I'm looking for. Uh, although certainly trying to get some answers to questions would be incredibly tough without search engines. We'd have to go back to books. So. Well, man, don't send me back there. <laughs> Adam, Adam, you and I both know that uh, if you're looking for the uh, the correct and the factual news on social media, chances are it might be kind of tough to find that in today's t- in today's climate. So, we'll uh, that, that's as that's as deep as I want to dive into that. <laughs> Moving on quickly, uh, <laughs> would you rather be famous but ridiculed, aka Buki, or be just a normal person? Just, I just want to be a normal person, guys, uh, especially in today's day and age. If we were talking 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe it would be different. But yeah, nowadays, just uh, leave me to myself and let me be, be, be normal. Adam, if I'm famous, do I have a lot of money? <laughs> I, nothing is guaranteed. You could be famous for the wrong reasons. Oh, well, I mean, if I'm famous because I'm like an actor or an athlete or I like invent something or... I don't know. I think that life could be so much easier if you are famous. Obviously, there are some challenges that you know that come with that. But uh, I'll, I'll take the fame and the fortune. And uh, I, I, I mean, I love being a normal person. But uh, give me the fame. Well, let's try that out. Try that on for size. <laughs> I guess if you were you were famous, you could choose to live without the social media, and the ridicule wouldn't bother you as much. So maybe that's the pathway there. Um, Last one, I've got a little bit of a curveball for you. So uh, let's say that you're a, you're a big-time football recruit. You're going to come visit the University of Oklahoma. And uh, so you, you come into town, you, you touch wheels down at Will Rogers World Airport, you, you come out to the curb there. Would you rather uh, meet a stranger that will take you to Top Golf that you can uh, you know, play around there at Top Golf, or would you rather decline that? Uh, and interact with a different stranger who eventually sends an angry mob uh, on Twitter to you because uh, they're not as tuned in to what decision you're about to make in your recruitment. Man. Could, oh, man. <laughs> this is based off of uh, no real-life situation. I should mention that. Could option three be a uh, live YouTube interview to be uploaded at a later time? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well... <laughs> uh i don't know as weird as it might be and i'm gonna go with top golf i mean i'm a i'm a golfer i love it anything to as weird as that might be to just have some some random dude that i've maybe talked to on the phone a couple times come pick me up um take me to top golf dude let's roll all right 16 year old tyler burton would get in a car with a stranger to go to top golf well, if my if my parents and family are there i mean <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm actually with Tyler on this one. I think, you know, if I'm in that 16 to 17 year range, you know, I'm looking for all the publicity I can. I'm a big time recruit. It's got a guy there that's willing to get my name out there that I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with. Yeah, I mean, I probably would, would probably do the same. Well, and Adam, to piggyback off that, the guy that's picking me up at the airport to take me to Topgolf probably needs me more than I need him. So just... <laughs> Just uh, just throwing that that's, out there. That's a little creepy. Uh, let's wrap it up here. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Super, uh, Super Bowl this Sunday. Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Bucks, Brady, Mahomes. I, I Guys, I cannot wait for this football game. You know, NFL, it, it, it's always a good time, especially with college going on. But the fact that this is going to be the last football game for the next six months um, is it, kind of sentimental, but I think we've got two fantastic teams. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better matchup. So 
Uh, Kansas City currently a three-point favorite over-under on this game. Uh, it's set at 56. Corbin, you'll find out real quick. We love uh, the, the betting cards. Definitely are, are excited to get you involved in that as we get closer to the new season. Uh, but, yeah, Chiefs minus three, over-under 56. You guys can give me a pick straight up, money line, who you think is going to cover, lay the points, over-under. Adam, what's your best bet on the Super Bowl this weekend? I don't know that I would touch that line, but I do like Kansas City to to win this game. I I know that uh, you know they have some weak points. You know, defense is is good, but not great. Offensive line has uh, gone through some some personnel and, and injury issues there, so um, they're not. Uh, they don't. They certainly do have flaws, but how can you bet against uh, Patrick Mahomes and and the wealth of weapons that he has around him? Tom Brady is great too. Lots of great players around him, but uh, give me the younger guy that's got a little bit more in the tank. Yeah, I you know I when you sent this over, I hadn't looked at the line this week, and it, it kind of surprised me. Uh, that seems like easy money. Kansas City minus three. They're at least a touchdown better than the Bucks, if not more. Which is why I'm going Bucks plus three, and I'm taking the under. Uh, that that just it's too good to be true. I think Vegas wants Kansas City money. I think they know something we don't. Lines that are that obvious very rarely play out that way. I don't think that Tampa can win in a shootout. I think it's going to have to be a close game, um, and that. So I'm taking the Bucks plus three and the under. I have doubted Brady time and time and time again. And he just keeps winning. So um, I don't think they're the better team. I don't think that they're the more talented team. They should not win that game. But I'm going to go Bucks plus three and the under. One of my favorite parts about sports is not just the games that are played on the field, but the stories and the storylines that, that surround everything that goes into it. So when looking at this game, Kansas City minus three, Corbin. I think you're exactly right. I think that Vegas is wanting the money, the the money from the public to come in on the Chiefs side of things. But when you look at when you look at the Tom Brady effect, the fact that he chose to leave New England, the the Patriots, where he was a god, he's going to be a god from now until eternity in that stadium. But he comes to a, he comes to Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians. He's away from Bill Belichick. He's got this group back into the Super Bowl in his first year in that new city. Yes, Mahomes is playing better right now. He's the hotshot quarterback. Tampa Bay is better on both on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I think that that's going to play a huge a uh, huge factor in this game. For me, it kind of boils down to what is what's the what's the Tampa Bay secondary going to be able to do against the skill guys uh, of Kansas City? Can they stop you know Tyreek Hill, Billy Bowman, two point um, Travis Kelsey? Will that that's going to be the matchup to see? But as as obvious as it might be to take the Chiefs, it's only three points. I think that, again, Vegas knows something we don't. Tom Brady, it's too good of a story for him not to finish the deal this weekend. So I don't know if he's going to win. I don't know if the Bucks are going to win, but I think they cover. So give me the Bucks plus three and the over on, on, uh, on Sunday. So I think it's going to be a fantastic Super Bowl no matter what. I can't wait to watch this game. Let me ask you guys, if, if Brady wins, is he done? I, I I don't know. I don't know how you could write the ending of that book any better. I mean, you're out of the shadow of Bill Belichick. It's clearly been put to bed that, you know, Belichick's not the reason why you won all those games. You go to this new franchise, you win a Super Bowl in your first year there. That's going to be, what, his seventh, eighth they get on seven. Sunday? Right. I mean, ex- extending the record for most Super Bowls by a quarterback – I mean, he's he's Iron Man. I mean, I think he, I think he could play for another three or four years. But honestly, what more do you have left to prove? You're going to win another Super Bowl. You got more money than you know what to do with. Family, pretty good looking wife. I don't know how. I don't know why you don't hang it up. It, it, it's just that competitiveness in him, though. Yeah, I mean, I think he feels good so uh, physically, and so I don't think that he's going to stop even if he does win. I I really think. There wasn't a whole lot for him to prove here in Tampa Bay anyway. Most people widely considered him the greatest quarterback of, of all time. So I think he'll keep going as long as he physically can. Yeah, I wonder um, I wonder a couple of fronts. One, I, I do think there was, maybe just for him internally, I think there was something to prove on the front that he could win without Belichick. I think that was important. Um, and whether he wins or loses, he's, he's proven that to be true. I also wonder... 
there was an interaction with him and Drew Brees in New Orleans after that game. And I think we all know Drew's probably done. And Drew is not the quarterback he was just a few years ago. And so I wonder if that sinks in with Tom a little bit to maybe put a little more pressure on, could he play for a couple more years? Yes. Should he? Maybe that starts to weigh on him a little bit because he, he, he sent Drew home, um, you know? And so I wonder if just the, if he's got the focus on how he's going to be viewed forever, you know, I wonder if he, even if he can play for a little bit longer, if he would kind of avoid that, um, same scenario that we've seen with, with Breeze these past couple of years and just a guy who just does not have it anymore. Well, I think he has a chance to do what Peyton Manning did during his last year at the Broncos. I mean, obviously Tom Brady's playing a little bit better right now at the quarterback position than what Peyton was doing his final year, but you have a chance to win your last game, win a Super Bowl, go out on top, the best to ever do it, or do you continue to come back for maybe another year or two where you're still going to be playing at a high level but you can't. You're not going to go out as high as what you possibly could do if you win this game on Sunday. It puts you in a position to where maybe you struggle the last year or two of your career, like Drew Brees. And even though you are going to be retiring as one of the all-time greats, it still isn't going to be that same level. I don't know if glory is the right word, but that you know, that the the vibe and the atmosphere and you know the I, I don't know how the best way to explain it, but him him winning a Super Bowl on Sunday. It doesn't get any better as a chance to write the final chapter in that book and hang it up. But we'll see. It's going to be fun to watch. So I do want to throw one more question back out to you guys. Is there, did you guys, were you a Brady fan before he came to Tampa Bay? Did you like Brady in New England or did you hate the Patriots, Belichick, everything? I hated the Patriots. I mean, I still dislike Tom Brady, but obviously have a lot of respect for him because of what he's accomplished. I mean, there are some questionable things that happen in New England, but I mean, it's it's just a uh, it's tough to to really truly hate him because he's done so well throughout his entire career. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page, um, but I'll be honest, I've I probably done a complete 180 on how I feel about Tom. I hated everything to do with the Patriots, and honestly, kind of still do. Um, I think when he when he went to Tampa, it was kind of like, okay, pal, good luck, you know, old retired guy trying to make a, a name for himself. I think I've done a couple things. One, I think it's in some way, even though he had won all those games up in New England, he was still under the Belichick shadow. And I think that now that's gone. I think I've gotten to see a little bit of a different side of Tom, just the way he carries himself, just the winning mentality, the champion mentality and everything he does. I've gained a lot of respect for, and I've, I've come to like the guy a little bit. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm a, I, I wasn't a fan of Tom Brady or the Patriots or Bill Belichick, but since he's kind of removed himself, gone to a new franchise, a new city, seeing that new side of Tom, him being a, you know, a little bit more – interactive with the media, a little bit more personal. I mean, I, I, I like this Tom Brady and, you know, I, it, it's going to be a fantastic football game. And again, I hope he, hope he continues to play for the next couple of years. It's great for football. It's great for us as NFL fans. So, uh, again, let's, uh, best wishes for a, a fantastic game on Sunday. It's, it's going to be good. Uh, we'll see how the weekend does with the, with the halftime show and his new look. So, uh, but again, anything, anything, uh, else before we get out of here, guys, I think we covered it. Yep. Sweet, sweet. Well, again, Corbin, welcome to the show. It's going to be fun having you joining us every single week. Uh, and again, we appreciate you guys for listening. We, this is a lot of fun every single week. If you don't already follow us on social media, go give us a follow at Tyler Burton 7 on Twitter, at Adam Jaquez, and now at Corbin Polson. So, uh, again, like the pod, subscribe, give us a review. Always appreciate you guys listening. Give us some feedback. And, again, we'll look forward to joining you guys right back here next week. Uh, on another episode of the Mainline Podcast.